Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight I'm here with... Akosia Ochre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, even after the Supreme Court made a pronouncement on James Jachi Kwesin, the direction for his name to be expunged by the Supreme Court has resulted in an uncertainty on the floor of Parliament. The Speaker has asked the Supreme Court for guidance. Also coming up, pensioners escalate campaign for payment of their funds to the Commission for Human Rights and Administrative Justice Shraj. This is after countless efforts at the Ministry of Finance failed. And later on, Eyewitness News, former Environment Minister, who also chaired the government's first interministerial committee on illegal mining, Professor Kwabna Frempompwatin, breaks his silence on the report of his arrest. He says uh, he is not perturbed. But he explained, blow by blow, how he spent more than two hours being interrogated by the Office of Special Prosecutor and being asked to pay, or rather, go on bail at a tune of two million Ghana cities. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more of this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, the Ghana Revenue Authority reiterates efforts to scale up VAT issuance exercise to improve compliance. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live on Kasha 99.9 FM, 99.5 FM in Damongo. We are also live on Holy 98.5 FM in Aplawu, Sela Radio 97.1 FM in Dabala. We are also in Kumasi on Orange 107.9 FM and Focus 94.3 FM. We are in Takradi on Sky Power 93.5 FM and Beach 105.5 FM. We are also in the Nalerugu area on Nobia 98.1 FM. We are in Tamale on North Star Radio 92.1 FM. We are in Bongo Namu on Rekas 92.1 FM. We are in Jirapa on Jirapa 96.1 FM. And also in Nadoli, the hometown of the Speaker of Parliament, on Tupani Radio 88.5. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. You can also join us via City Newsroom and also on YouTube as well as Facebook and follow proceedings from our studios here. In Adabaka in Accra. We are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996 or go on Twitter and drop a message using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the um, of bondholders uh, became a topical one after they resisted government's domestic debt exchange program. They insisted that the government removes their names from the list. Their names were removed after lots of back and forth. Now, the new issue is that their monies are not being paid them by the government. They have been picketing through the rain and the shine at the Ministry of Finance. It appears that is not helping at all. They are planning now to escalate this campaign to the Commission for Human Rights and Administrative Justice. Let's speak to Dr. Anani Entry, his convener of the Pensioner Bondholders Forum. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. 
Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Did it have to get to Shraj? Uh, yes, if you have any disputes, uh, Shraj is there to help you resolve. So, so you are deeming this a human rights issue or an administrative, administrative challenge? Administrative justice. Well, you, you are taking money from your citizens. You must pay them interest when you are still keeping their money, not return to them. And they say, well, you are keeping their money. For the three years you are keeping, you are servicing a paying interest. It is now due. You must return it to me, and you have not been able to return. And your citizens say, please, if you are still keeping my money, pay me interest. Government is not different from any other borrower in this country. So explain to us... Uh why okay what has been happening so far the last time i hosted you uh you had uh, you had carried plastic chairs to the ministry of finance and then the minister deputy uh Abina Osiasari, had yes. uh, met with you and we're even told yes. that yesterday you had a meeting is it a case yes, that all these meetings have ended the first meeting with the lady was uh, a week today that is where they said all the coupons that were due at least up to the end of May, they were going to pay it immediately. They were going to pay all immediately. And so we said, well, we will be waiting. Uh, already we have said, when there's a coupon due for payment, we'll give government Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because if we give instructions on Monday, definitely by Wednesday, we should see indications that the things are being paid. So we will give government the time. And then again, uh, they said they were... They were going to use two weeks within which to pay all the uh, outstanding principals. And then going forward, they were ensure that when they, they, they are due, it's paid. Uh, but the, the meeting for today was basically on the interest. That last year, last week, we said we were demanding interest and they say we cannot make it. We are pleading with you. I say, well, that's the larger group meet and consider your whatever the government is saying. But the larger group met. But yesterday we had a meeting and it was resolved that we must uh, demand interest for depriving us of our capital, which we are going to reinvest uh, to get uh, the money. Because it's like your capital has, somebody has stopped your capital from working. And if your capital is stopped from working, it deprives you of income from your own capital. And so we say we would uh, demand that. So that was the, the main reason for today's uh, meeting. But of course, uh, the, 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 minister, the deputy minister brought in other uh, issues like uh, proposal to, to buy back our, our, our investment and, 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 and that kind of thing. But it was, it was on the main was on the demand for the interest. And that's why we said we want it, we have resolved to take it because that is all that we, we use our money to to earn interest and use the interest to care for ourselves. So you can't hold my money and deprive me from utilizing the money for interest. And mind you, in this financial market, there's no free capital. Every capital that you take from the financial market, there's a cost. Otherwise, we won't be taught cost of capital. And that now that we are also teaching, we won't be teaching cost of capital. Every capital has a cost. There's no free capital in the financial market. So when you borrow somebody's money, you should not think that you won't pay interest. You borrow, when the time comes, pay back the money. If you are not paying back the money, you must be prepared to continue to service the interest.
Okay, now, so the difficulty is that the state says it will not pay you or the payment plan is what you do not like, for which reason you've decided to go to charge. No, the, pay, the, 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 the issue I say is, is not going to pay any interest on your money that he keeps on using. Until when? Is it that it will never pay or it will pay you no, at it a will later be paid. It will, it will be paid, but okay. we are saying... When? Now government has started paying some. Some of them have been in arrears for uh, about 108 days now, you know, and you don't deprive people from their capital, uh, deprive them of their capital where they are using to invest. So for now, it means somebody is losing income for the first three months or so that he was investing this money. Three months over, you have deprived the person for getting his money to be used for investment, for, for for that person to get some returns on his investment and use it for his medication, for all the, 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 his uh, sustenance and and, and, and and all that. So you can't do that. If the money is with you and you haven't returned it, then keep on servicing it because as it was with you, you have been paying interest. If the time comes, uh, you return the, it to the, the investors' interest payments easy. But if you still keep it, then you must pay interest. That is uh, it's, it's, it's a simple matter. But the government is not saying you don't do it. Then we say, then we submit the matter to Shrag. So what do you want Shrag to do specifically? What are you asking Shrag to, to do for to you? To pronounce, to, to determine whether government can keep our monies without paying interest on it. All right. A lawyer has just sent me some information that I wish to share yes. with you. Yes, please share. Uh, he says that Shraj does not have the jurisdiction to enforce contracts and that bonds... We are not enforcing contracts. We are saying the government is not dealing with its citizens the way it should deal with administrative justice. Yeah, but you have a contract with the government. Now, in the course of that contract, let, let, one let, party Let's Shirak says that they cannot adjudicate. And have you already submitted this petition of yours to Shiraj? No, no, no. We are waiting. We are sending our letter to the government for the government to respond. Then we take it there. All right. We'll see what happens and what comes out of yes. it. Thank you for yes. speaking to us. I think we should take the state institutions. Let them come out and say, this why we can't do anything about it. Then it is on record. Does it mean then that the picketing has been suspended while you wait no, for No, no, our picketing goes on until the last person is paid. Every Thursday and Friday. And today, of course, the government has started paying what it's supposed to pay this week. We will meet this evening, and once the payment has started trickling in, we may not go tomorrow, we will decide, because that is what we said, that we give government up to Wednesday. If no payment has come, then we pick it on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Wednesday, uh, and Friday. So now that payment has started coming, we may decide not to go there tomorrow and wait until the next coupon, which is also due from Monday. We'll wait Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and go uh, Thursday. If Thursday, we see it's flowing, we won't go Friday. If it doesn't flow, we, go, we, we, we repeat it on the Friday. But you do not have the courts as a plan. No, no, we don't have. We don't. If people want us to go to court, that's that the last thing we will do. All right, just it's not part of our plan at all. Just, we will put pressure. 
if if Shirak will not come and, and, and support us, we will support ourselves by picketing even to demand the interest. We will picket to demand the interest. If you don't give us our interest, we are not going home. Just an aside, by the way, it's the rainy season. You are taking these old men and women well, to that they, place. Are you sure you are not coming them? It is, they, they, I am not forcing them to come. In fact, they want to do more than uh, they are even doing. This is their life and death. If you haven't reached there, if that is not your only source of income, you wouldn't see it. All of us, when we were young, we didn't think that our old age is. Especially when this is your only source of income. To care for yourself. To take care of yourself. Government is not supporting the elderly in this society. Unlike elsewhere, where your medication is supplied to you free. I always say, you take buses, you don't pay. Even your, 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 your heating, your, your bill. You pay uh, uh, bills at, uh, at, at a reduced uh, rate because you are a retiree. We don't have all this in here. And people's money that they have invested with you, pay them interest on it if you are keeping it. It's as simple as like that. And if government will not do, we can say if Chirac say we don't have, the only source is that we just want Chirac to make that statement. And if they do, we won't say we won't accept it, but we have our own way. We will still continue to pick it, to demand interest and all payments due us. That is our right. All right, wish you all the best. Thank you for speaking to Thank us. Thank you. That's Dr. Anani Entry. He's convener for the Pensioner Bondholders from This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we have more coming your way. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's go to the House of Legislature now because there's a House of there's a decision by the House of the Judiciary which the House of Legislature can simply not understand. Tell us more, Akosia. Yes, the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, is asking the Supreme Court to provide clarity on its directive to Parliament to expunge the name of James Jachikwesen from its records as MP for Asin North. This comes after some members of Parliament raised concerns about how to implement the order of the Supreme Court since the standing orders of the House does not provide a clear path on such directive. Reacting to the matter, the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagwin, says all activities participated in by James Jachikwesen since January 2021 would hold until steps have been taken on the way forward. I still stand by my ruling and what has just happened is strong evidence that there is a need for clarification. Don't forget that the order is predicated on a number of declaratory rulings by the court. It is not, it was just given isolation. There were four earlier declaratory judgment before the order came as the fifth, if you read the judgment. And those earlier declaratory judgments 
stated that the election of the member was unconstitutional. The reasons for that were stated. And as a result of that, it was null and void and of no effect. Before the order came, that we should expunge. In fact, it did not say the speaker should expunge. And it did not say any member of parliament should expunge. And it did not also say the clerk should expunge. It says the institution called parliament. That's straight from the Supreme Court. So that institution must carry out the order. The only way the institution can carry out the order is for the institution to reason together. And that is only done in a setting where the opportunity is given to members to think through it. And so members will now have to come out with how this is to be carried out. Is it by the uh, table office, which they just did, and it has led to this objection, or is by the speaker, or the clerk, or all of us. The speaker should give the directive. I don't want to assume powers that are not clearly spelled out in any law. I, I will not dictate. Where? No, no, no. If it's unclear, it's not the speaker who, who dictates. <laughs> so um, I did indicate, and I mentioned to some members of the court, the Supreme Court, that there's a need for clarification. Because a sponge doesn't mean delete. A sponge doesn't mean delete. And I never mean remove. A sponge means my understanding of the word expunge means something exists on record and it has to be erased. Now, they said name. And don't forget the earlier declaratory judgment talking about unconstitutional, null and void, and of no effect. It's like it never happened. And if it never happened, and that has, name has appeared throughout all our records up to the day the order was given. What happens to it? It means we have to go back to delete the name from all the records, or what? I mean, these are genuine issues, and it's not for us. It's not for us to, to decide on what to do, because don't forget, as is clearly stated, the Honourable Member drew our attention to uh, Article 2, 3, and 4. The consequences of failure to carry out the order to its fullest effect. But the fourth, that is two, four, refers to personalities or office holders. That is president or the vice president. But if they have said the speaker, clearly I would have acted. But because they say parliament, and the speaker is not parliament. The speaker is not parliament. And so, um, we are trying to initiate the process for you to uh, 
maybe take the decision as to whether we should go back for clarification or you will, by your decision, empower the speaker or the clerk to act. And then when the Supreme Court decides that we have not fully complied, then it's the House. It will not be the speaker or the clerk. And it's all the whole house that will be mulched. Uh, in the sanction, not not uh, the speaker or the clerk. So pl please, Parliament is not the speaker. Parliament is not the clerk. You had a speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagwin. So he's speaking there about the judgment of the Supreme Court on James Jachi question. Um, it appears that the lawmakers are not understanding the new law from the Supreme Court. General Mohammed Ayaga is a lawyer and member of parliament for Boko Central. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, your house does not interpret laws. You make laws. But directives are given by the Supreme Court all the time and people implement them or act on what the Supreme Court has said. It's a bit curious now that 275 plus a speaker or 274 plus a speaker you are saying you do not understand what the Supreme Court is saying. Is that is that what we should understand today's debate on the floor to mean? The line is breaking. I really cannot hear you. So my question is, 200... The line is breaking. Uh, the voice has gone down. I just can't hear you. All right. Is it any better now? The line is breaking. I cannot hear you. All right. We would have to call uh, the Honorable Muhammad Yariga back. I think there's really a problem with... Um, the, the the network there Let, let's try if we can reach him through other means uh to have a conversation with him on this particular issue where the house of parliament is asking for clarification from the supreme court or direction if you like clarity on the on the state of affairs in relation let me see if i can reach honorable Yaga on another line honorable so my, my question to you if you can hear me now is that um the, the the Supreme Court has ruled or has made a decision which decision is supposed to be enforced by Parliament. Now, listening to the debates in the House today, the assumption is almost as if uh, you are saying you don't understand the meaning of the word expunge. Is that is that what we should understand today's proceedings to mean? Well, that's the, the issue that came up today. Uh... There's some discussion about what the implications are in terms of the directive of the Supreme Court. I argue that, so far as I can understand it, the Supreme Court is simply saying that his name should be taken out as a member of Parliament. Oh, oh my God, I'm, 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 I'm told the feedback is still bad. Uh, we'll try and reestablish contact I'm, with you. Yes, but my understanding is that the feedback is not good. So I will try and reestablish connection with you again. Apologies for that. That's Honorable Mama Yerga, his MP for Boko Central. Uh, let me bring some of the messages that you have been sending through on the show. Uh, this one from uh, Akapol Jr. and a half of him. He says, why should uh, expunging of a name bring about confusion in the House of Parliament? The language of the Apex Court of the Land is plain and must be obeyed as such. Alex Kofi Yareni in Adenta Commandos researchers. I'm completely astonished that government is still lackadaisical in paying these uh, frail pensioners, uh, pensioner bondholders. Please pay them. Joshua from Afienya. 
uh, sends a message and uh, he says, uh, now and Akufado, if you are fighting corruption, corruption will fight you. Uh, General Ortega says, we are in a complete state of anarchy as a people and, um, and we began arrogating powers to themselves and abusing authority. How can OSB arrest and grant bail? Okay, Emil Akwesivi from Boso in the Eastern region says, is the government not ashamed of that? Uh, is the government not ashamed that pensioners are what about what government pensioners are going through? They have already told for this country now. Al Hassan Hamdan from Nyoini says, I really feel the pain of Professor Frempon Boatin. I urge all Ghanaians to canvas their votes for GM in 2024. Jones Adoboy in La says, If you could get money overnight and start road construction in the name of by election. Why do you deny the pension bondholders what is due them? And then finally, Prince Henry in Kofridua, he says, Why is the Nana Akufado Baumia led MPP government worrying these pensioners like this? But why should our pensioners be struggling to get their own monies? This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's go back to the Honorable Mahamayaga MP4 uh, Boko Central. Honorable, I hope this time you would be able to hear me. The question is um, the, the Supreme Court's directive is clear, isn't it? Uh, expunge the name. Expunge would simply mean remove the name, correct? But I've had a debate and then a summary from the speaker in a, almost like a request to, this, to the Supreme Court to explain what expunge means. Is it the word expunge that the, the parliament has a problem with or the consequence of the expunging? From what I understand the speaker to be saying, when you say that something should be expunged, it has a number of implications, one of which is to make an assumption that the thing never existed. That is why they are saying expunged. They could have just said, you know, the uh, member of parliament, uh, James is no longer a member of uh, parliament and therefore uh, Parliament should take the necessary steps to declare the seat vacant. But then they said expunge his name. So the speaker is asking, what does expunge really mean? Is it to say that uh, he's never really been a member of this house? Does that affect the legitimacy of everything that uh, has happened in this house in which he has been involved in? Uh, should his name never be captured in the standing in the, uh, the Hansard uh, for days that he contributed in debates and etc. For him, he thinks that the, the, the Supreme Court should should give greater clarity to why they use the expression expunge his name uh, instead of just using a different form of expression of what they want uh, done. That is why he directed that some further clarification was from the on what they actually meant by that expression. I see. When the Supreme Court makes a judgment, that judgment becomes a new law. But we also know that laws do not take retrospective effect. Does the same not apply in this instance so that you can just move forward from where things ended? Well, I mean, um, that was what I argued uh, today in Parliament. I I said, I, I, I think that the Supreme Court just wants his name taken out as a member of uh, Parliament. And that should be it. It should be a forward-looking uh, directive, not to go back in time and uh, try to expunge every record of 
uh, him in uh, the records of parliament. That is the Hansbad, appendance, uh, everything that he has participated in. I, I didn't think that that is what the Supreme Court uh, is saying. But uh, the Speaker uh, said he wanted to be sure of what the Supreme Court is saying. So he's going to ask them for uh, some clarification. Now, when you say you're going to ask for clarification, it means the House will write a letter to the Supreme Court or send a petition or what form? Because the Speaker mentioned that uh, he had mentioned to some members of the Supreme Court already. But I believe this is going to be a formal thing. So how would a formal request be made? Well, um, let me say that when he says he has spoken to some members of the Supreme Court, I think that that will be an unofficial uh, deliberation. So we cannot have regard to that in terms of uh, official recording. Uh, that's between him and them. I think that uh, if he wants clarification, then Parliament, because the directive is to Parliament, I even had an issue with uh, use of the word Parliament should. So because you also find out who is Parliament, is it all the MPs, is it the Speaker, is it the Clerk of Parliament? He thought they should be specific. Because but I thought Parliament is an institution headed by an individual, the head of the Parliamentary Service Board, the head of the House of Parliament, the Speaker. Is that person not the face of Parliament so that, for instance, if this directive was to the Ministry of Finance, the minister maybe would be the lead. And if it was to the government attorney general based on legal matters, if it's to a company, the managing director or the CEO is the face of the company. Does the same thing not happen where Parliament is a legal institution, if it is sued or suing, is it not through the Speaker's name who is the face of the House, or that's wrong? I would have thought as much that uh, when a directive is given to Parliament, that the Speaker will look to the rules of the House and then decide how that directive is to be executed and further give direction uh, as to how that should be done. If the rules don't even make provision uh, under our final orders, I think to here speaker has the discretion to devise a mechanism for getting uh, that issue resolved based on some directive that he could give. So I'd have thought that that resolved the issue, but again, he raised those issues and he insisted that he wants to seek uh, clarification from, from the Supreme Court. I thought... Uh, during the debate that uh, there's sufficient clarity. I mean, the issue is about whether or not he's eligible. I mean, there are many instances where people uh, were subsequently declared ineligible to be uh, members of parliament. And I would think that it, it will not affect uh, proceedings and decisions that have been taken. Uh, if you look at the Constitution, I see that there's a provision relating to uh, people who know that they are not qualified to sit and vote, but who sit and uh, vote and participate in proceedings of Parliament. That's uh, an offense and punishable under the law. Uh, but then it, it falls short of saying that because they are not eligible and yet they participated, in the proceedings or the vote or the decision, uh, that decision is null and void. So I took a position on the floor today that, yes, uh, the Supreme Court has said we should take the name out 
So it just involves taking his name out, but it doesn't uh, affect everything that has happened in the house since he joined the house on uh, January you know, 8, uh, uh, 2021. So, so that's my position on the matter, but the speaker has a different topic. And so he's given directives uh, based on his uh, view of the matter. I see. Now, it's, it's a bit interesting, but we always hear you say Parliament is a master of its own rules, and we also know the issue of uh, separation of powers. Now that you're running to the Supreme Court to guide you on your own internal rules, does it mean you are no more master of your rules? This is not about our rules. This is about uh, the Supreme Court giving a directive, using expression that the Supreme Court has coined. So we're asking the Supreme Court to uh, explain their directive. It has nothing to do with our rules. We didn't make rules saying that if XYZ situation arises, you expunge the name of that member from Parliament. They coined the, the term. And so because it is not a term that we are familiar with in our rules, in the Constitution, the standard orders, or any other legislation, relating to Parliament, we reserve a right to ask them for clarification. So the way forward, is that the way forward? Has the House generally agreed that that's what you're going to do? You write to the Supreme Court asking for that uh, interpretation or direction to come, and, and, and until then, he remains on your record? Is that what it means? If we assume that a directive given by the Speaker is the position of the House, I would say yes, because the Speaker has directed that uh, the Supreme Court be written to to explain what they meant by we should expunge uh, his name from the record. But this does not mean that his election has not been nullified. That is not is parallel to what you are asking for explanation to, correct? I think the Supreme Court is clear about the, the nullification of his uh, election is the consequential order that they have given that is the subject of uh, uh, some misunderstanding by uh, the speaker. So the issue of the nullification of his uh, election is not what we are discussing here. It is when you say we should expunge his name from parliament, uh, the speaker is asking, does it mean that uh, we should expunge his name in such a way that it will appear that he never came to parliament? Or are you saying that henceforth we should expunge his name from parliament uh, so that he, he, he will cease to be a member of, of the House from the time when the decision was handed down? by the Supreme Court. That is where the Speaker has an issue. Are you saying we should expunge his name in, 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 a, in a manner that uh, will reflect what you are saying, that he's never been elected or properly elected, and therefore he wasn't eligible to be a member of Parliament, and therefore whatever he came and stayed here and did uh, should not be captured. That, those are the issues that the Speaker is asking. Because of the peculiar use of the word expunge, because it's not something we are familiar with in our constitution and also in our standing order.
Very well. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. My pleasure. That's Honorable Mahama Yaga. He's member of parliament for Boku Central and he's also a lawyer. Uh, just helping us uh, understand what the position of parliament is on that decision of the Supreme Court on James Jachikwisin. Uh, that notwithstanding, though, there will be a by-election there and um, we'll, be, we'll be covering that for you. The MPP chose its candidate yesterday, Charles Opoku, two days ago. The NDC settled on the same James Jachikwisin, uh, so that it's going to be a race between uh, these two uh, during the uh, by-elections. Now, one other story we've been looking at, the pensioner bondholders have decided to go to Shraj asking for Shraj to intervene in the issue of payments that are supposed to be made to them by the government. They have been doing the picketing and now they've decided to go to Shraj. Uh, in the course of the conversation, I asked um, uh, the, the, the person who represents the pensioner bondholders uh, if they did not consider the court. He said the court was going to be the last option, but also I drew his attention to a comment that was sent in by a lawyer who said that uh, Shraj cannot enforce um, a contract uh, because this issue of the bond is a contract. He has said, well, he was just waiting for Shraj to interpret. I just got a another message from a law lecturer who says that the bond issue is not about contract. It amounts to ab arbitrariness on the part of public officer, administrative injustice in breach of Articles 23 and 296 of the constitution this is regulated by public law and not private principles so that's a law lecturer who has just sent uh, that message through this eyewitness news on 97.3 city and we have more from parliament don't we Akuzia? yes we do the minister of communications and digitalization as laos Kufu says mobile network operators are liaison with the bank of ghana to ensure that persons who have their monies locked up on their mobile money accounts are retrieved Many subscribers have been complaining about their inability to assess their funds after their SIM cards were blocked, providing an update on the status of the SIM re-registration in Parliament, as Lawusu Kufu says although such subscribers will not be able to transact business on such SIMs, their funds will be recovered. It is important to note that the legacy platform only allowed completion of stage one, which does not require biometric data and therefore could not complete the process. There were claims of database breaches during the exercise. Upon investigation, no unauthorized access or breach of the SIM registration database was discovered. The identified abuses during stage one were resolved and did not involve unauthorized access to the SIM registration database. No one's identity or personal information has been stolen or compromised in this process. From 1st June 2023 to date, the NCA has been monitoring the situation, and it is interesting to note that at the MNO's customer care centers, there are people who have Ghana cards who had simply not registered their SIM cards. This demonstrates that even if there had been another extension of the deadline, we would still have had people who would simply not have registered their SIMs. They probably assumed that as is characteristic of Ghanaians, a little public outcry would have led to a knee-jerk reaction of truncating this exercise. But with the enforcement of the deadline, these people have now lined up to register their SIMs, knowing that we're serious about this exercise. But as an excuse not to register, 
are now finding means of acquiring the Ghana card or have reached out to the NCA as they had earlier been directed to do to ring fence their sims while they await their Ghana cards. We will not encourage any anonymity in this exercise and reiterate that those who have genuine challenges acquiring the Ghana card to complete their SIM registration should contact the NCA with evidence of applying for the card and that challenge will be addressed after investigating it. We continue to encourage the NIA, the National Identification Authority, to assist people to acquire their Ghana cards. We've also been made aware of the difficulty facing subscribers in accessing their funds on their mobile money wallets. These subscribers will not be able to transact any money, mobile money related activity. However, MNOs are working with the Bank of Ghana to ensure that these subscribers can retrieve their funds on the presentation of a valid ID and completion of the relevant KYC process. To transact mobile money related activity, the subscriber will have to complete the registration for the MNO to reactivate the SIM on the network. Well, she also announced that her outfit will engage the clerk's office to complete the registration process for the reactivation of the speaker's official SIM card. The NCA has established a SIM registration forensic audit team tasked to validate the integrity of the service provider's data in the central SIM register database, identify discrepancies or inconsistencies between the service provider's database and the central SIM register, evaluate the effectiveness of data synchronization processes, assess the accuracy and completeness of the central SIM register database, review data entry processes and security controls to mitigate the risk of data manipulation or corruption and confirm the accuracy of SIM registration data in accordance with the requirements of the SIM regulations and directives of the authority. In conclusion, Mr. Speaker, my information is that the SIM cards of some members of parliament and even the speaker and leadership were affected by this exercise. The MNOs have been in parliament several times to assist members to complete the process and will continue to work with the clerk's office to facilitate registration for those who want to complete the exercise. By implementing a comprehensive SIM registration exercise, the government aims to reduce fraud, enhance security, and promote responsible use of SIM cards for the benefit of all. I'm counting on the support of colleague MPs to complete this exercise, which will endure to the benefit of all the good people of Ghana. I thank Ghanaians, all SIM users, and all the stakeholders involved in this process for their cooperation as we seek to build a digital Ghana based on sound, secure, foundational digital infrastructure, including a robust national SIM registry. Mr. Speaker, it is digital time in Ghana. 
So you had the the uh, Minister of Communications and Digitalization, Esla Owusu Ekufo, speaking on the floor of Parliament. Well, reacting to the presentation by the Minister, the MP for Tamale South, Haruna Idrisu, says the deactivation of SIM cards has affected social relationships in the country. Well, speaker, when you go to the hinterlands, their access to Ghana card is not as easy as what is happening in urban Accra. And uh, Minister, you are the last person we should be discussing the viability and social significance of mobile telephony. Those whose sins have so been blocked, some have suffered relationship problems. Some probably have lost their girlfriends, contact with their significant others, even some have been threatened with divorce, very possible, because why have you not reached out to him or to her? Because your sin has been blocked. That excuse, that excuse, she may be creating problems for many marriages with this same block as a social problem. But Mr. Speaker, on a more serious note, you know mobile telephony is significant, Minister. So we are saying that don't just block sins when the fault or problem is not from the person who is holding the sin. So Harun Idris there speaking on the floor of Parliament. He's a Tamale South legislator. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Now, Professor Kobna Frimpon Boatin uh, is back in the news. So is his former secretary at the Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, Charles Bissu. Um, let's tell you the story as we know it so far. So the former secretary to the Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, Charles Bissu, has taken legal action by filing a writ at a high court in Accra to prevent the Office of the Special Prosecutor from prosecuting him. This lawsuit is in response to the ongoing investigation being conducted by the OSB into alleged corruption within the uh, defunct committee, specifically involving its chairman, Professor Kwabna Frimpombwati. Uh, according to the writ obtained by City News, Mr. Bissou revealed that he received a letter from the Office of the Special Prosecutor stating that he is considered a necessary person for the investigation and demanded his presence for an interview. Charles Bissou is praying the courts to restrain the OSP from investigating him as part of the aforementioned case. Let's talk about Professor Kwabna Frimpon Boatina, who was chairman of the IMCIM. Yes, so he uh, has been speaking on that arrest that we uh, he spoke on yesterday. Well, he says that he feels targeted following the arrest by the special prosecutor. The former minister revealed that he was arrested and granted bail to the sum of two million cities on corruption and corruption-related activities. He spoke to a crab-based TV3 on his arrest. Well, he also indicated that he uh, does not fear of being prosecuted later. Now, uh, meanwhile, the Ghana Integrity Initiative is calling on the Office of the Special Prosecutor to come out with details of what ensued between the office and the former Minister of Environment.
This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Up next, Netili Nete is going to bring us the latest in the world of business. And then uh, we will bring you the on-air series of the City Business Festival. Tonight's uh, topic is financing the digital economy. The guest is Claude Ajin Asamoah, who is Head of Payments and Digital Commercialization at APSA. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details now. The Ghana Revenue Authority has hinted it will keep up with its VAT enforcement exercise to ensure businesses comply with the law. This comes as three shop owners at Achimota and Accra have been apprehended for flouting the tax laws of Ghana. The move is a continuation of GRE's exercise to have businesses comply with the VAT issuance regime. At least 50 business owners have so far been cited for wrongdoing since the commencement of the special exercise. During today's exercise, it emerged that business owners were issuing other invoices other than the GREs. Here are excerpts of what transpired when the GRE got to Diva Cosmetics and Fabrics at Achimota. So is it your receipt? Yeah, is it coming from this shop? What? We want you to confirm. When I check, But it's your receipt, right? Yeah, it's my receipt. And you issue it to someone? So, so it's a violation against the law. Okay. This one was issued in a mail. Madam, the problem is the problem is when I start the shop, eh? And uh, if somebody comes to buy something, I issue a receipt. But as times goes on, I didn't receive, uh, like, I mean, you should receive. But they are not insisting So the point we are uh, making is that uh, per the relevant sections of the law, vis-a-vis uh -huh. section 41 of the Value-Added Tax Act, uh -huh. you are not supposed to issue your own invoice. You are supposed to issue Commissioner General invoice okay. or any invoice approved by the Commissioner General. No. So, yes, so that is why we are here to educate you, Thank you. to take you through the education okay. and to regularize your affairs. Okay. So, going forward, okay. you will start doing the writing. Thank you very much. So, we are here to get some of the documents that you are using to keep sales or the records, business records. You heard excerpts of engagements between staff of the Ghana Revenue Authority and staff of Diva Cosmetics and Fabrics at Achimota in Accra. Deputy Energy Minister Herbert Krapa has emphasized the importance of mainstreaming gender issues and policies and budgets across various sectors, particularly energy. The Deputy Energy Minister further underscored the transformative potential of energy access, highlighting that when women are empowered with reliable and clean energy sources, they can drive diverse sectors of the economy and contribute to inclusive growth. Herbert Krapa made the call when he spoke at the Gender Summit on the theme Africa's Energy Transition Pathways and Vision of the Green New Deal through a gender lens. The more, of course, you don't have to lose sight of the fact that the global picture of sustainable energy to run the economy includes women. 
as beneficiaries. And so that itself is a, it's a, it's a, it's a starting point. And then you come down to how you are intentionally including policies that help to directly impact um, women and young people with access to sustainable energy for driving their trade, for health purposes, for education, for employment, for skills training, and, and the rest of them. And uh, you know that uh, the president himself, the presidency, President Kofor, who is the champion on women um, issues, is very clear. Deputy Energy Minister Herbert Krapa speaking there. The National Pensions Authority has assured of leveraging on the technical expertise and knowledge offered by the Swiss government to effectively regulate the growing pension industry in the country. According to the NPRE, though the Swiss Secretariat for Economic Affairs has been able to rule out a risk-based framework and supervision systems as part of moves to mitigate some of the challenges of the activities of industry players such as non-compliance. The Chief Executive Officer of the National Pensions Regulatory Authority, Hayford Atakrufi, has been speaking on the development. This risk-based supervision system is going to help us streamline the supervisory and the regulatory mandate of the authority. Mr. Chairman, in order to use our resources efficiently and effectively, there are years not only uh, to be abreast with the emerging pension regulatory practice, but most importantly, to ensure efficient and effective use of manpower and technology. The CERCO project has helped us to secure what we, we term the transitional model, which will support not only the core RBS operations, which is being built, but this system has been a very effective technological tool that is made to help us in the submission of data, validation of it, the processing, and then the analyzing, so that we'll be able to, in real time, see where the issues and dangers and risks in the industry are, so that we can follow through to ensure effective uh, regulation of the industry. That was the CEO of the National Pensions Regulatory Authority, Hayford Atakrufi. And finally, players in the events industry say business is no longer friendly in the face of the harsh economic situation. They say the recent increase in utility tariffs and the unfavorable tax regime cripple operations, thereby raising fears at a risk going out of business. For them, they are now bouncing back from the shocks of the COVID-19 pandemic. Therefore, governments must ensure an enabling environment to ensure their survival. Kate Hassan is the president of the Event Vendors Association of Ghana. It's a long value chain that people, um, we use the carpenters, the welders, and with all the tariffs, it has affected their production and their cost. So it affects the work that we are doing. That is the reason why when we take out invoices, the client goes like, I cannot do it anymore. It's too much for me. So we have to cut down on guests and even events that are going on. All the logistic companies, in as much as they try to increase their price, even that they are having issues because it's also not tallying for them. It's not working for them, but they are still working and it's, it's not the best. We are really in, in a face right now, but...
Kate Hassan is the president of the Events Vendors Association of Ghana. And that's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netteli Nete Ajaho. Have a good evening. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.